So, two weeks ago, we began looking at 1 Samuel chapter 1, which was the introduction to the life of Samuel. However, we weren't actually introduced to Samuel himself since he hadn't been born at this time in the story, but we did meet his parents. Uh, in fact, our passage revolved mainly around his mother, Hannah, um, and you'll remember that Hannah's father, Elkanah, actually had two wives. There was Hannah and Peninnah, and in the early verses of this chapter, we're told that Peninnah had children, but Hannah did not. And now, of course, Hannah wanted children more than anything. But twice we're told in those verses that the Lord had kept her from having children. And when we read that at first glance, it almost seems, you know, maybe a little bit unloving of God for have kept Hannah from having children. You know, the, the one thing that she wanted most. Why would God do that? I mean, didn't he care about Hannah? And I can certainly imagine Hannah asking those very questions of God. But as we look over the whole story, we see that God hadn't kept Hannah from having children um, because he was upset with her or, or was punishing her for something. Uh, certainly not. God wasn't keeping her from having children simply to be cruel, but rather God had prevented her from having children at this time because he was setting the stage to do something amazing. And I think that's such a good reminder for us that when God seems to be withholding some good for, from us, it's not because he doesn't care about us. Uh, it's not that he's punishing us for something, but rather uh, God has something even better in mind for us. He's always at work setting things up for our good and his glory. Uh, and now, of course, Hannah didn't know what God was up to. And our story finds Hannah in bitter sorrow, just brokenhearted that God had not given her any children. And of course, to make matters worse, uh, her rival, uh, Elkanah's other wife, uh, Peninnah, was, was mocking and taunting her because the Lord had not allowed her to have any children. And so one year, we read, uh, as the family went to Shiloh to present their sacrifice to the Lord, Hannah goes to the tabernacle, and, and she's just in bitter tears, and she pours out her heart to the Lord. Uh, she says in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 11, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. You know, Hannah is so, so earnest in her desire for a child and would be so thankful to the Lord if he would grant her request that she promises to give back to God the very child that she prays for. And she's praying so, so fervently and earnestly that the priest uh, comes in and as he's watching her pray, he thinks that she's drunk. Now, of course, that's not the case. Uh, and Hannah kind of explains what's going on here. But to make a long story short, after pouring out her heart to the Lord uh, in prayer, Hannah returns to be with her family, and it was noted in the passage that she was no longer sad. You know, she hadn't yet received any answers to her prayer, but she had the assurance that God had heard her, and she was able to, to just trust in his goodness and his wisdom, no matter how he chose to answer her prayer. And so her spirits lifted, as so often happens when we pray. And, and then that's about as far as we got in our passage uh, two weeks ago. And so today, we're going to pick up that story right there, where we left off. And we're going to see what happens next in 1 Samuel chapter 1, starting at verse 19 today. It goes like this. The entire family got up early the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. Then they returned home to Ramah. When Elkanah slept with Hannah, the Lord remembered her plea and in due time, she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, 
I asked the Lord for him. Now, these verses really do kind of read like a textbook. They, they, they capture the facts of the story, but they're, they're really kind of missing out on the, the feeling here. I mean, can you imagine how excited Hannah would have been when she discovered that she was pregnant? Can you imagine her joy when she held little Samuel in her arms for the first time? I mean, holding your baby for the first time is pretty amazing as it is, but I would expect that for Hannah, I mean, her joy just would have been overflowing. After years of being barren, after years of feeling like a failure to her husband, after years of being mocked and taunted by Peninnah for having no children, God had finally heard and answered her prayers. And I just love how she names him Samuel. Uh, in the Hebrew language, the, the, the name Samuel kind of sounds like a mashing of the words asked of God. Uh, and so Hannah names her little boy asked of God because as she says in verse 20, I asked the Lord for him, right? She asked for a child, and God granted her request. This little baby boy was living proof that God does indeed answer prayers. For the rest of his life, Samuel's name would stand as a testimony uh, to God's faithfulness in answering prayer. And in fact, as you read through the rest of Samuel's story, you'll see that the hallmark of his ministry is prayer, actually. He's constantly praying for, for Saul or for the people of Israel or, or for God's guidance in his own life. There's actually a, a cool little verse a little later on where, where Samuel says that he'd considered a sin if he ever stopped praying for the people of Israel. It's in uh, 1 Samuel 12, verse 23. He says, As for me, I will certainly not sin against the Lord by ending my prayers for you. You know, Samuel was, was dedicated to prayer, as he no doubt learned from his mother. And his name would stand as a testimony that God does indeed answer prayers. And so just by way of uh, some practical application right off the bat this morning, do you believe that God answers prayers? Now, I realize you're sitting in church this morning, so you can hardly say otherwise. But do we really believe that God answers prayers? And if so why don't we pray a whole lot more than we do? You know, I was doing a, a little study actually with, with Colson and Jesse a couple of weeks ago, and, and we we're looking at all the, the promises throughout Scripture uh, of God to hear and to answer our prayers. And we looked up, you know, probably 10 different passages that all talked about how if we come to God in faith, asking him for something that would, would glorify and honor him, then God will hear and answer our prayers. Here's just one such example. Uh, we looked at 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. It says, And we are confident that he hears us when we, whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us when we make our request, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. Now, we have these repeated promises throughout the Bible that God answers our prayers. And we have these repeated examples uh, throughout the Bible of God doing exactly that. You know, Hannah prays for a son, and God gives her little Samuel. Uh, Hezekiah prays that God would extend his life, and God gives him 15 more years. Uh, the church prays uh, for Peter to be released from prison, and God sends an angel to escort him out. Uh, Elisha prays that God would strike the enemy army with blindness, and, and God strikes the enemy army with blindness. Uh, Peter prays for Tabitha after she died, and God raised her back to life again. Elijah prayed that it would not rain, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. You know, and these are just a, a few examples. Time and time again, the scriptures remind us that God answers prayer. So why, why do we not pray more? And this is a question that I've been asking myself recently. You know, why do I not 
pray more? You know, do I, do I doubt the power of God? Do I doubt his goodness or, or his wisdom? You know, what is it? What keeps me from just, you know, taking hold of that promise and going to him constantly in prayer? You know, is it, is it my own pride? Is it my own sense of, of self-sufficiency? What is it? I'm not entirely sure. Maybe we just need this reminder that we are invited and we are even commanded to come to God with all of our requests in prayer. You know, the, the writer of Hebrews says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. You know, that's exactly what Hannah did. You know, she came boldly to the throne of her gracious God and she received his grace and his mercy. She received exactly what she asked for. As we read in verse 20, in due time, she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel for she said, I asked the Lord for him. And God had graciously answered her prayers and given her a son. But you'll remember in her prayer that Hannah had also vowed to give back to God her son if she would be granted her request. You know, it's one thing to make such a promise. It's another thing to actually keep that promise. So let's see what Hannah does in verse 21. It says, The next year, Elkanah and his family went on their annual trip to offer a sacrifice to the Lord and to keep his vow. But Hannah did not go. She told her husband, Wait until the boy is weaned. Then I will take him to the tabernacle and leave him there with the Lord permanently. Whatever you think is best, Elkanah agreed. Stay here for now, and may the Lord help you keep your promise. So she stayed home and nursed the boy until he was weaned. Now consider for a moment the difficult task that lay before Hannah. She had promised that, that if God were to give her a son, then she was going to give that son back to him. And, and that seems to be exactly what she's planning on doing. As soon as the boy was weaned, uh, in those days, probably between the ages of two and five, she would take Samuel to live at the tabernacle permanently, to, to be raised there. You know, I know moms who have a hard time leaving their kids at camp for a week. And here she is. She's leaving her little two to five-year-old boy at the tabernacle many miles away permanently. You know, how in the world does she do this? But this is exactly what she determined to do. Uh, Hannah obviously did not take her promise to God lightly. You know, God had come through for her, and so she was determined to uh, carry out her promise to him. Uh, and considering how difficult that would have been for her, you know, I think that really speaks to her integrity of character. You know, here was a person who kept their word no, no matter what the cost, right? And I think that speaks volumes to her godly character. Being trustworthy and faithful are, are characteristics that please God. Um, in Proverbs 12, 22, it says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. And I think Hannah was someone that God could take delight in. Her faithfulness brought a smile to the face of God. And I think that's something for us to shoot for as well. You know, God delights in us when we stick to our commitments and we keep our promises. Why? Well, because that's exactly what our Father does. That's what God does. He always keeps his word. He is the definition of faithful and true. And it pleases him when we act like his children and do likewise. And not just in the big things either, in the little things. Sometimes, sometimes we let the little things slide because, well, we think they don't matter so much. But, you know, Luke 10.10 10 reminds us, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. 
Our faithfulness in the little things demonstrates our ability to be faithful in the big things. Uh, at camp several years ago, there's a, an old gentleman, who, uh, I think he was from Three Hills. He came out uh, for several summers in a row. I think he must have been in his 70s or 80s by this time. Sam was his name. And he would come out and, and he would go just into the scrap pile of wood and he would, you know, take all those little pieces and he'd build sheds and stuff like that for the camp. Just something he loved to do to serve the camp. And, and while he was there, of course, Gord said, you know, you're, you're free to, you know, use the shower house, do whatever you want. But I remember one time Gord sharing with us that uh, Sam, he, he wouldn't go take a shower. And, and the reason was he didn't want to cost the camp the, the, the money to heat the water for his shower. I mean, can you imagine that? Like, I don't know how much it costs to heat the water for a shower. It's got to be pennies. But here this guy, Sam, he, he didn't want to spend the few cents of the camp's money for him to have a shower. I mean, a guy like that, I mean, you could trust him with millions of dollars. If, if he's not going to take advantage of the camp for a few cents, you can trust him with anything. That's just incredible. That's always impressed me. He was faithful in the littlest things. So you know you could trust him with the biggest things. So how about you? Are you faithful in the little things? Because if you're not faithful in the little things, as this verse says, you won't be faithful in the big things either. Now, practice being faithful in the little things, in all things, big and little. Uh, be like Sam. Be like Hannah. You know, be a man or a woman of your word. Well, as difficult as it must have been for Hannah to keep her promise to the Lord, the time finally came when young Samuel was old enough, at least back then, to go and live at the tabernacle. It says in verse 24, When the child was weaned, Hannah took him to the tabernacle in Shiloh. They brought along a three-year-old bull for the sacrifice and a, a basket of flour and some wine. After sacrificing the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. Sir, do you remember me? Hannah asked. I am the very woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he has granted my request. Now I am giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worshiped the Lord there. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this as we've gone through this or not, but one of the characteristics of this family is that they routinely worship the Lord. Three times in this short chapter, we're told that they worship the Lord together. Even now, in this difficult moment, as they prepare to leave little Samuel behind with, with Eli, what do they do? They worship the Lord. In fact, the next several verses are actually Hannah's prayer to God. And it's not a, a prayer pleading for God to, to watch over her little boy while he's away from home like you might expect, but it's a prayer of worship, a, a prayer that rejoices in the Lord, praising him for his goodness and strength. You can uh, have a look with me, uh, starting in chapter two now. Then Hannah prayed, my heart rejoices in the Lord. The Lord has made me strong. Now I have an answer for my enemies. I rejoice because you rescued me. No one is holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Stop acting so proud and haughty. Don't speak with such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows what you have done. He will judge your actions. The bow of the mighty is now broken. Those who stumble are now strong. Those who were well fed are now starving. Those who were starving are now full. The, this, or the childless woman now has seven children, and the woman with many children wastes away. The Lord gives both death and life. He brings some down to the grave, but raises others up. The Lord makes some poor and others rich, 
He brings some down and lifts others up. He lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. He sets them among princes, placing them in seats of honor. For all the earth is the Lord's, and he has set the world in order. He will protect his faithful ones, but the wicked will disappear in darkness. No one will succeed by, str uh, by strength alone. Those who fight against the Lord will be shattered. He thunders against them from the heaven. The Lord judges throughout the earth. He gives power to his king. He increases the strength of his anointed one. You know, this whole prayer is a, is a song of worship and praise. It's quite a contrast to her first prayer, which was a prayer of anguish and sorrow, right? God had totally changed things around for her, and that's actually kind of a, a theme that runs through her prayer, how God intervenes in people's lives, and he just flips their situation around. Uh, take a look at verse 4. It says, the bow of the mighty is now broken. Those who stumble are now strong. Those who were well-fed are now starving. Those who were starving are now full. The childless woman has seven children, and the woman with many children wastes away. And then jump down to verse 8. He lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. He sets them among princes, placing them in seats of honor. You know, God is the master of reversing people's situations. And that was certainly Hannah's experience. You know, she went from being barren to being pregnant, uh, from being mocked to being blessed, from being sorrowful to being joyful. You know, God had totally changed her situation. And, you know, God can change your situation too, no matter how hopeless it may seem. You know, I, I know we all face a, a number of different issues in our lives, situations that we desperately want to see changed. And some of you have shared some of those things with me, but I know there's a lot of stuff out there that I have no idea about. But you know, and God knows. You know, and I asked you earlier, do you believe that God answers prayer? And if so, let me ask you a second question. Do you believe that God can change your situation? And if you were to answer yes to both of those questions, and, and scriptures would certainly seem to support that, then I would encourage you to follow the example of Hannah and bring your requests to God, to go to him with your, your earnest desires, go to him with your bitter tears, uh, and ask him to change your situation. God is a situation changer. He wants to rescue you. He wants to provide for you. And Psalm 145, I think, is a, a great reminder of that. Uh, take a look at verse 8 in Psalm 148. We'll read down a little bit. It says, The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. And then jump verse, uh, down to verse 13. The Lord always keeps his promises. He's gracious in all he does. The Lord helps the fallen and lifts those bent beneath their loads. The eyes of all look to you in hope. You give them their food as they need it. When you open your hand, you, you satisfy the hunger and thirst of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in everything he does. He's filled with kindness. The Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. He grants the desires of those who fear him, and he hears their cries for help and rescues them. You know, if what the Bible says is true, if God is merciful and compassionate, if he helps the fallen, if he feeds the hungry, if he hears the cries and rescues people, then doesn't it make sense that we would go to him 
with all of our requests, all of our needs, all of our desires. Our God is a situation changer. He delights in answering our prayers. You know, while we have no, no right to demand anything of God, God has invited us to bring all of our requests, all of our needs, all of our desires to him. And God, in his goodness and in his wisdom and in his time and in his way, will answer our prayers. He grants the desires of those who fear him. He hears the cry, their cries for help and rescues them. So this morning, I want to do something just a little bit out of the ordinary. Instead of just closing in prayer and sending everybody home, uh, today I just want to make myself available to pray for and with you. And, and of course, I'm happy to do that anytime, uh, any time of the week. Call me up and, and I'd be pleased to pray with you. But per today in particular, uh, I just want to give this opportunity. Uh, we're gonna, I'll pray and, and we'll close and, and you will be dismissed. But I'm just going to linger up here for a little bit. And if there's something on your heart, some situation that you need changed in your life, I'd invite you to come up and, and I'm very happy to pray with you for that thing. Uh, not that my prayers are any more magical than yours, but God hears us when we pray. And so I just want to encourage you to bring our requests, bring our, our impossible situations to God and, and just give him the opportunity to answer those prayers. So with that, uh, I'm going to close in prayer. And of course you're dismissed but, and I'll linger up here. And if anyone would like to pray, you're welcome to come up. So let's pray and then we'll be dismissed. Dear God, we thank you so much for First of all, hearing our prayers, uh, what an incredible gift it is that the, the almighty God of the universe, the one who created everything out of nothing, uh, you're supreme in all the, the creation, and yet you hear the prayers of every one of us. When we're hurting, you're fully aware of that. You care about the things that break our hearts. You care about those situations that we face, and we just have no idea what to do. And God, you've invited us repeatedly throughout your, your word. Come, share your request with me, and, and you will answer. God, I, I pray that as we go into this week, that we'd rem remember, uh, with that little string around our finger, we'd remember what we've learned, that you've answered prayers uh, time and time again throughout uh, Scripture and throughout our own lives, too. You know, it's so encouraging when we, we keep track a little bit of the prayers that we pray to see how often you answer our prayers. So God, I pray that we would remember to go to you in prayer. And we thank you for your promise to hear us and to answer in, in your wisdom, in your goodness, in your way, and in your time. Uh, we thank you that you do answer our prayers. So God, be with us as we go from this place this week. Uh, continue to be close to us as you've promised, uh, to draw us near to yourself. Uh, and uh, thank you for answering and uh, hearing our prayers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And you are dismissed into your week.